world we know is gone. No Google, no Amazon.com, no email, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Welcome to episode 16 of the Walking Dead TV podcast. My name is Jordan. Tonight I'm joined by Jim, John, and of course, Mr. Brad Milo. How are you guys doing tonight? Very good. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2011. How weird is it to say that? Hey, did you guys hear about the twins that were born over the the turn of the year? Um, they were born, one twin was, they were born one minute apart from each other, but one twin was born in the year 2010, and one twin was born in the year 2011. I did not. Did it take place in Texas, or? I don't know. I just saw the, the headline on Yahoo. But apparently, they're, the parents and the doctor planned it that way. That's oh, kind of creepy. Fraudulent. Yeah. yeah, so one twin was born December 31st, 2011. I'm sorry, 2010. And the sibling was born January 1st, 2011. I do know I've already heard the slogan for this year that I don't want to hear ever again. It's only the first week of the year. It's 2011, the year that goes up to 11. <laughs> I don't need to hear that anymore. And besides, it's 2011. Shouldn't we either A, be in flying cars living in space, or B, be in a, uh, a nuclear zombie apocalypse wasteland by now? Besides being weird that it's 2011, it was kind of weird not having a show last week. I felt that way anyway. But we're glad to be back. We are definitely glad to be back. We don't have a whole lot of news in the interim, which is uh, good because we would add nothing for last week's show for news. Um, but the one bit of news is if you go to amctv.com, click on the Walking Dead link, or I'm sure we can put the link in the show notes as well. But there is a rate your favorite episodes of season one of The Walking Dead. Uh, I don't want to call it an app, but it's a page on the AMC TV website. And uh, interestingly enough, when I first saw the website, it was actually labeled or it was rated episode one highest. Two, the second highest, three, four, five, and so forth. Uh, now it's mixed up, so it's episode one, episode two, episode four, three, five, and six. Do you guys agree with that rating? Well, I think from our history of uh, of podcasts following the first season, I would say that Guts is out of place. That was probably the one that got the most criticism from us. I definitely agree that the pilot should be first. Yeah, I would agree that... Pilot's number one. You know, I don't think Guts needs to be number two. I think number six uh, doesn't deserve to be number six. I think it, I don't think it was the worst episode of the season, but, you know, for me to actually put them in an order would require a little bit of thinking. And, you know, I don't want to waste time doing that right now, obviously. But I, I think I like to tell it to the frogs and wildfire more than to rank them fourth and fifth. I think those might be my second and thirds followed by Vatos, the finale, and Guts. I might put Vatos last. That's interesting, considering that Kirkman wrote that one, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, it it's did. a weird episode. A lot of people liked it a lot, and a lot of people fell into your camp as well, Brad, of not liking it too much. Well, I it's not that I didn't like it, but I think out of all of them, I like it the least. 
I still enjoyed it very much because it was different because it, I didn't know what the hell was going on with that episode, but I think, you know, if I had to rank it, I would have to put it last. And I'm sure a big reason that, uh, it is ranked as high as it is, is from the, uh, the Norman Reedus fans that were waiting for his arrival on the show. I'm sure that boosted it a little bit. And we're not talking about tens of thousands of voters either. I mean, uh, it's a pretty small sample size at this point. Um, episode one has, what, 1,450 votes at this point? And second is 1,160, and third is 1,050. So they're all kind of very closely matched. I'd have to go to the first episode just because that was the, the one where we pr- most prominently saw Buster. Yeah, the only one where we freaking saw yeah. Buster. I'd put the, 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 uh, the fifth and sixth episodes higher, though, and I really liked uh, Tell to the Frogs as well. I'd probably put Guts at the bottom. Was, um, was episode four really the first time that we saw Daryl? My memory is going back to our Twitter fans going bananas for Vatos. I am... 99% sure Vatos is his first appearance. Because, okay, so in episode two, we meet Merle, and they leave him chained on the roof. Beginning of episode three, we see him cut off his hand. And at the end of episode three, or I'm sorry, we don't see him cut off his hand. We see him reaching for the for the saw. And at the end of episode three is where they're all up on the roof and they find his hand, including Daryl. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Daryl debuted in episode three, because that's when uh, they come back to the camp and they introduce everybody. Hold it. Let's see. Uh, all right. Uh, Walking Dead. Tell it to the frogs. Episode three. Ah, so I, I am screwed, and will be taunted by everyone on Twitter. You suck. <laughs> uh, but if you in the listening audience want to chime in on what you thought were the best episodes, first of all, let us know. Send us an email. Send us a voicemail. Or let us know on Twitter. And secondly, check out amctv.com, and you can vote yourself. Either up or down, they give the option to move episodes up or down in the r- ranking, depending on how you like them, and uh, update the list that way. Very cool. So, Brad, how about before we go any further, we do our little sponsorship thing? Sure. DCBService.com, discount comic book service. You've heard us talk about them for a while now. If you've decided you want to start jumping into the comic book world, picking up some uh, some of the new weekly Walking Dead books you can go to dcbservice.com as we are recording this it is january however the website has not updated with its january specials and information so i don't have anything new to tell you as far as that goes but more than likely there will be some really cool offerings uh you can check that out you know probably it'll it should be up by the time you hear this dcbservice.com again you can get your Monthly fix of comics mailed to you once a month, twice a month, four times a month. You can have them sent anywhere. You're going to save at least... Man, I think they recently upped their discounts on Marvel and DC and Dark Horse books. I'm not so sure about Image, but I think um, uh, you're going to get at least 40 or 42% off of some most of your comics, so... You should really check out DCBService.com. Yeah, and uh, the code WD8 will get you 8% extra off on your first order, which will bring your savings to somewhere around 50%. And the weekly Walking Dead reprints start this week. 
So, I mean, if you're thinking about stopping by a comic shop or Borders or Barnes & Noble or whatever and picking up The Walking Dead starting at number one every week from now on, you know, that that's great. I don't want to discourage that, but it's really silly in terms of price to not order from a discount like we have going here and, you know, have it mailed to you once a month, get your four books, and you're going to pay a fraction of the cover price. Now, it seems to me, John, that while the majority of our listeners can go out and do that, isn't there one listener who's going to get a book free this week? Yes, we uh, have been giving away volume ones of the trade paperback, courtesy of DCB Service, who who donated some some books for us. And uh, we've been kind of picking uh, Twitter followers and people that have left iTunes reviews at random. But this week, we're giving a special one away to Mr. Sean McAllister, who is a Twitter follower uh, and a listener of the show. But he's also been doing a lot of work for us. We have a secret project going on. We're doing some website revamping, and we needed some new graphics and things like that. He's a super talented guy. He does it for a living. Um, I just kind of sent out a Twitter message, you know, who's who can help me out with some graphics. And uh, he volunteered right away, and he's been sending a lot of stuff and, and doing some work for us. So I'm happy to present Sean with the volume one. It's the least we could do. So uh, thanks, Sean, and we hope you enjoy the book. Yeah, Sean, that uh, that artwork you've done for us is really pretty awesome. We appreciate that. And we hope to have it in full-blown presentation, you know, within the coming weeks. But it looks good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it looks good even even now. In it in looks secrecy. really, really impressive. As far as um, having new things, uh, you know, that we wanted to share with you, we were working on another surprise of sorts, and uh, I'm a, I'll take the 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 blame for this. I I'm not anywhere near ready to have it unveiled or even to mention any more than what I'm saying about it right now. But we have some something else really cool coming up for you and hopefully by the next episode that comes out we'll have another announcement to make john knows what i'm talking about maybe some of the other guys do but i i had really hoped to be able to work on it this weekend but uh you know the holiday got in the way so i'm still i'm still working on that we still love you all right thanks so one thing that we are able to deliver on this week is uh recently we hit our magic number 500 on twitter which is awesome uh, we really appreciate everybody following us. It's grown really fast. I mean, you guys can remember just a short while back when we were trying to reach 300 and 400 and so on. So we've hit 500, and we're going to be doing another Twitter contest. So, Hey, John. Yes. As we speak, I'm checking our numbers right now. We're at 530. That's awesome. So soon we're going to have to – I mean, maybe we'll do 750 next. I'm not ready for a contest at 600. But uh, for this Twitter contest, let's see. Friday, which is January, help me. I'm looking. It's uh, the 7th. Okay, Friday, January 7th. Keep an eye out on Twitter. Uh, The WD Podcast Twitter account will send out a message with guidelines for our latest contest. So uh, we like to reward everyone who's following the Twitter. We're going to throw out another contest. The prize is a hardcover Volume 1 of The Walking Dead. So this is the beautiful, oversized hardcover. It contains the first two trades. Uh, It looks great on your shelf. It's a real hardbound book. uh, Great looking. I think the cover price is around, I don't know, 35 bucks, Jordan? Does that sound right? 30, 35? 
Uh, I think so. I'm, I'm, I've actually got a, uh, a first printing of that hardcover. It's right here. I don't know if you can hear that, but, uh, I got it when the price was only 30. It's been, uh, it's been, uh, raised up a bit. So you guys, if you're going to get on this walking dead kick, you got to get on soon before image realizes, you know, that we're probably going to start paying astronomical prices for anything walking dead. Definitely. So keep an eye on the Twitter. That's at WDTV Podcast. And uh, on Friday the 7th, and uh, we're going to run another contest for you. Are you going to do some tweeting dead later? I have not asked for any specific tweeting dead things, so maybe we'll come back with that for next show. Okay. Well, there was just, I knew there was one or two tweets that we had received uh, over the last couple of weeks that I was going to mention, but. Now that I say it out loud, I can't find him. I'm looking at it, so I guess, like you said, we'll wait till next show. Excellent. What we do have is a couple of new iTunes reviews that I'd like to just mention quickly. Uh, we really appreciate the iTunes reviews. We're shooting for another contest when we hit 100 iTunes reviews. Uh, today, when I grabbed these new ones, we were at 89. So, so that's awesome. We're getting there. We have iTunes reviews from Leroy John Rivera. That's our buddy Ziggo. Five-star review from him. Uh, the best darn podcast ever from Christine Nekamoto. Five stars from her as well. Uh, we appreciate that. Another five-star from, looks like Krillin, C-H-R-L-Y-N. That's a tough one. It's missing a vowel, if you ask me. Um, Isn't that a spray paint? I do not know. That's Krylon, actually. Never mind. <laughs> uh, this person, I don't know if to say he or she, says, uh, I'd never read the comics but thought the show was interesting. Then I realized I needed to supplement my learning with a podcast, found this, and hit the jackpot. Covers both worlds. And most importantly, no spoilers. Uh, so thanks to you. One more. Best The Walking Dead podcast by Gunky19. This is by far the best Walking Dead podcast available. They are the reason I decided to start reading the comics. Once I took their advice, I finished all 79 issues within three days. Absolutely awesome. That is awesome. Uh, 79 issues in three days is a lot of reading. Yeah, man, that guy must have, man or woman, whoever must not have had much sleep. <laughs> Gunky19. I'm going to say it's a man. I don't like to think of women as gunky. That's true. True that. How about, before we move on, I don't know if we mentioned it yet, we will be starting by covering the issue number one of The Walking Dead today as we kind of work through the comics in, our, in the off-season. Before that, we also have some emails, don't we, Brad? Yeah, I got a couple emails here. Uh, one from Austin K. Uh, I was watching The Pacific, another show called Pacific, Episode 4. Now, I've heard of this, but where, where does that show air? HBO, I believe. Isn't it an older show a couple of years ago? Um, no, I think this is the sequel to Band of Brothers. I don't know if it's an actual sequel, but it's, it's the not. same. It's not. It's just um, both by World War II. Right. Same, and the same people produce it and everything, right? It's just uh, right. maybe I'm wrong on all those counts. I don't know. No, no. It's uh, Tom Hanks and his, his uh, writing partners. Or not writing partners, but producing partners. And uh, I think it had at least one of the same actors, like the same actor playing a different part because they liked working with him. So, I, I know my dad just watched it and he loved it. Was this so? This is a current show. It's airing currently. I think it just wrapped up like in the last oh, okay. six months. Oh, okay. It, it was I believe 
I believe Russ was recommending the DVD as one of the things on the duties. Uh, so oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It must be available on DVD then. Okay, so this is a fairly recent show. Um, he says he was watching episode four of the Pacific and noticed that our Walking Dead friend Shane also appeared in this show. He also noted that his penchant for high-waisted trousers uh, also spanned the, the airwaves into this series. And he sent a picture to us, and uh, he says, I also got the compendium for Christmas and got through it in one day. So it was another person that read that whole thing in one day. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, and the picture of Shane, uh, well, or John Bernthal, it's uh, it's pretty funny. His uh, his pants are right up there under his armpits. <laughs> Walking Dead theory: Shane is a time traveler from World War II. Yeah, I'm wondering Explains if the pants. I'm wondering if perhaps uh, the actor has really long legs and a really short torso. Maybe but he has does, like a gaping wound right below his belly button. It does look odd. It really does. You know, I, when I'm wearing pants, my belt is are below my elbows, right? Well, his, it, in this picture, it looks like his are right there, uh, just above his elbows, which is kind of weird. So, the you know, it it it's been really funny to joke about it and stuff, but but in that one scene in the CDC where they're all drunk and he's making the advances at Laurie and his shirt is open, I mean, it's 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 over his belly button. I mean, we're not <laughs> we're not imagining it. Like, who pulls their pants up past their belly button? You think we have totally blown our chance to have an interview with John Bernthal? I think he needs to defend himself or give an explanation. <laughs> John, if you hear this, you know, on the odd chance that, you know, uh, we love you. We, we kid because we love, uh, but we are curious. Yeah, you're doing a great job on the show. <laughs> we just want to know what's up with your pants. <laughs> uh, we got another email from Charles McDermott. Hey, my buddy CJ. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he says, hey, guys, just wanted to congratulate you on the successful season of Walking Dead TV podcast. I was referred to you by a certain six foot six inch Barry White voiced gypsy that I know. Afraid of spoilers, I decided not to start listening until after the TV season was over and am kicking myself now that I know just how well put together and spoiler conscious you guys are. I wanted to give you a heads up on a cool zombie fiction for the off-season. There is an amazing serial drama podcast called We're Alive, A Story of Survival that is released weekly on iTunes. It has amazingly great production quality, and I'm sure you would all enjoy it. Thanks again for an amazing show, and I will definitely be listening on time from now on and can't wait until next season. P.S. Tell Brad he should stop pulling the age card in order to get his point across. Wisdom and foolishness both know no age. And uh, Charles, I will say that that is an accurate statement. Wisdom and foolishness both know no age. But uh, Jordan is too young to realize it. <laughs> yes, yes. Jim, Zing. Jim, how old is uh, Charles McDermott? Uh, he's uh, 24. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, right. yeah. That kind of, when you make those kind of sweeping generalizations, you're, you're usually in your 20s. He's a great guy, though. He used to be an employee of mine, and now he works for the production company. And uh, big shout-out to CJ. Big ops to him. He's a really great guy. Yeah, he's, his uh, email says, lead production associate, clear story. What, has anybody ever tried a um, a podcast drama? I guess is it like a full production? I wonder if it's got like sound effects and all kinds of 
voice actors. There's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer one I know. Um, I haven't listened to it because I don't. I'm I'm, oh, I'm gonna get hounded by the geeks now, but I don't know Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Although I do love Joss Whedon stuff. Jordan, um, I've never watched one episode of Buffy. You got well, to. then we're in the we're we're in the same. Uh, You're wrong. Geek, You're both wrong. Cardless both But uh, no, no, I I trust that it's great. I just I don't have the time to go through it right now. Uh, but I know there was like somebody was doing like season eight, like the comic one, but as a radio drama on on a podcast, something like that. Anyway, so it's not a completely new idea, but it's still cool. Season eight, so they did. So they did the TV show that was turned into a comic for season eight on a podcast radio drama. <laughs> Some, something along those lines. I probably have some of the details wrong because I didn't pay that much attention because, as I said, I haven't seen the show. But it still seemed like a cool idea. All right. I have a couple of voicemails. We still have some voicemails uh, in the bank. We'd like to encourage people to send more voicemails as we kind of take a look at the comics and soon the DVDs. Um as they come out in March, our number again is 516-468-7912. And here is a voicemail from Chris. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Chris. Uh, I'm just calling in about the uh, last season finale of The Walking Dead. And I'd like to say I personally enjoyed it. Um, even though I kind of wasn't expecting it to end like a regular episode, it didn't bother me. Actually, it didn't bother me at all, personally. I've been to various message boards, and I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed with how, I guess, this, this episode ended, I guess, because I guess they figured it should have been ended on a big, epic note. Understandable, but I didn't think it was really necessary, I guess. One thing I will ask, do you guys feel as though the writing was particularly bad during this whole season? Because I know a lot of people that I've read on message boards kind of felt as though, you know, the season just, I guess that the show was really badly written, so much so that for them, you know, the comic was way better, and it kind of confuses me a little bit, because while I enjoy the series, it just, it makes me wonder, was the comic better than the show? I, I mean, I don't know, um, that's just, you know, what I've read and stuff online, but um, uh, keep up the good work, guys, and take care. Okay, thanks to Chris. Uh, Jordan, you are probably the most active message board goer. We kind of hang around on Forum for Geeks. There really hasn't been any negativity on Forum for Geeks about the show. Have you Not run on into- FFG, no. FFG is pretty, pretty positive most of the time, which I definitely appreciate. So what have you found in your other travels regarding the show? Uh, pretty much exactly what you'd expect in any message board setting except for as i said ffg uh people like to nitpick the tiniest little things and what i something i really appreciated about this first season was an episode would end and you'd have two or three plot points that people would complain about endlessly for a week and then in the first five minutes of the next episode they would answer every single one of those questions and make those people look like idiots generally and it was it was a consistent thing like how in the world could this episode end this way that doesn't make any sense and in the first five minutes completely explained now that said I don't think it was the strongest writing in television I've ever seen, but I didn't think it was bad, certainly. And it's not better or worse in the comics. It's just different. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is that it's different. Comic comic book readers have an expectation. I know I did. I think we all did have some kind of expectation going into the show. And we were pleasantly surprised that it ended up not being what we expected. So I think part of that is you expect it to feel like it felt when you read the book. And 
of course, writing for TV is going to feel different than writing for a comic. Um, I, I, I think sometimes, myself included, confuse expectation with quality. If it's not what you expected, then that doesn't mean it's then that means it's no good, and and certainly that's that's not the case at all in in some instances. Yeah, there's a big difference between writing for television or or to have someone speak your words and writing in a comic book and the pacing too in the comic book. I think, I mean, especially for people who have followed the comic and follow these characters all along, they already have that character uh, development in their mind. You know, that it's already there. Those, I mean, they know who Laurie is, they know who Rick is, you know, they know who Glenn is, and then to see these people kind of, you know, um, see their dialogue kind of change a little bit to fit the, you know, the prescriptions of of a tell, you know. An hour-long television show and having to you know move the plot along as much as you do in a television show and the pacing and and even you know the the difference between reading a word on a page and hearing it spoken i mean you know that's a big thing too so i mean i mean and brad is exactly right a lot of times you know the the naysayers or the trolls in the forums you know have an expectation in their mind as to you know what it it, it should be and when it doesn't meet that you know, uh, uh, unrealistic expectation. They immediately hit hit the boards and, and complain, which is you know horribly unfair. I I've done my best, you know, having read all the comics that I have of The Walking Dead to to try to judge the TV series on its own merits. And I would have to agree with Jordan. It's not the best writing I've ever heard on television, but I wouldn't by, uh, by any means classify it as bad television writing. And, and one think, criticism. Oh, go ahead, Brad. I was going to say I think if we're all honest with ourselves and each other and our listeners. We've all done that at one point. We've all hopped on a board and said, well, that sucked. I hated it. And because it wasn't what we expected. Oh, definitely. Uh, one, one criticism I've seen and that I can kind of understand, and I don't think it's really a problem with the writing in the show. Simply it was with the fact that there was only six episodes. There was a complaint that I've seen that there wasn't enough character development among some of the ancillary and background characters. And to an extent, that's because, hey, it's only six episodes, and also it's because there's a really large cast. We got a lot with Rick. We got a lot with Morgan in that first episode. We got quite a bit with uh, with Daryl and with Shane and Lori, but the others a little bit fa- fell by the wayside. And I th- that's one of the things that they can certainly fix in season two. Not that it was broken, but they can expound on it as they have more time to do so. You make a really good point about it only being six episodes as well. In the comic, there are a lot of times when uh, there's the the story is given a lot of space and a lot of room to breathe. We see panels, you know, whole page sequences with no dialogue where, where, where not much is happening but the passage of time. And when you're writing a teleplay and you have a limited amount of time and, you know, again, only six episodes to really try to tell this story, you really don't get as much room for the story to breathe as you would in the comic. There's one other complaint that I've seen and this is something that is not Walking Dead specific. This is a complaint I see about zombie movies and books and zombie anything consistently. And I think it's unfair, quite frankly. But it applies to The Walking Dead too, at least in that I've seen it on a message board, is that every time a character makes a dumb decision, whether it just not be the greatest decision in the world or whether it's an out-and-out stupid decision, that is blamed on faulty writing. Instead of this character, just like real people, made a dumb decision. That's the form equivalent of sitting in a movie theater at a horror movie when you know the killer is behind the door and yelling at the screen. You know, don't go in there. Right, right. But even more than... You're not differentiating the art from the, the creator of the art. Even more so. I mean, because I can understand sometimes in the movies where it's like a character is acting in a way that's not 
realistic. It's not the way a human would act in that situation. But in zombie movies, and especially The Walking Dead as a zombie TV show, some of the dumb decisions, yes, they're dumb, but they're decisions that real people would make in real circumstances like that. You know, sometimes there are those arguments of do we go to the CDC or do we go to the military base? And it's not always clear in that moment who's the right person, what's the right decision. So while we it, – it's it's weird to see people criticize that when it's like, yeah, that's that's a realistic thing. You can't complain that that's bad writing. That's just human nature. Right. I mean nobody ever – always makes the right decision or the right call or does the right thing every single time. Except me. Right, Brad? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> All right, I got one more voicemail to play. Uh, I don't know who it's from, which is part of the beauty of it. It sounds like we were pocket-dialed, so uh, let's check that out. Hey, that is so strange. (laughs) The screen on my phone is out, and I dialed my home number, and I'm reaching you guys, which is really funny. And I'm just coming out of uh, Fish at Madison Square Garden on the 1st of January, 2008. And uh, there's just two things I love in life, and that's zombies <laughs> and fish and a couple other things. And the podcast. So you guys are great. I've been meaning to call you guys actually for a long time. So thanks. And, you know, it's always great to listen to this, to your podcast. Rock and roll, guys. Peace. Bye-bye. <laughs> hmm. A fish concert. It sounded concert. like he was having a very good time at that yeah. fish concert, <laughs> didn't he? A fish concert on New Year's Eve. Hmm. I'm, I'm glad he, to know we're as good as fish. I hope he was walking to a hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish you would have left the name. That's that's uh, that's pretty funny. But hey, well, thanks for what? the call. Do you when you get those emails or voice uh, yeah voicemails? Do you get a, a phone number associated with them? Yes, I do. We should try calling it one day when we're recording. We should just call it um, while we're recording and uh, see who answers. And if we get the his voice, deadhead. if we get his voicemail, could we be like, "Oh my God, my phone's broken! I can't believe he called you." I can't right. believe I yeah, sat right. on my keyboard and it dialed this number. Very good. Okay, so that's our uh, preliminary stuff. And what we're looking to do now uh, with each show is cover some of the Walking Dead issues, um, starting at number one. It's really good timing, not planned, by the way, totally lucky, uh, that the weekly Walking Dead is beginning this week as well. So if you are picking up the comic, you can uh, listen along with the show and kind of get our commentary and compare and contrast with the TV show. I think what we've decided is that if there's any major plot point coming up in the comic that we're covering that has not yet happened on the TV show... We're just going to give a big old spoiler warning uh, beforehand, and you can choose to skip ahead or stop listening at that point. Because there are some early plot points in the first six issues um, that have not happened on the show that probably will happen on the show. So I guess we'll just give fair warning like we usually do. How does that sound, guys? I think that's fair. Very good. So I'm turning this over to Jim. He's been saving his voice just for this. And uh, Jim is going to take us through issue one of The Walking Dead. You know, I just realized we could call him LL Cool Jim. That'd be pretty lady, awesome. Ladies, ladies love Cool Jim. Yes, they certainly do. Walking Dead number one by Image Comics uh, by Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore. First of all, I want to say 
that the I love the covers of this series and and cover number and issue uh, one the cover is no exception. It's uh, it's color, but it's only a few colors. It's yellow and orange. And it's very much in the black and white style of the rest of the book. It's this great shot of uh, Rick walking down the street with a shot, loading a shotgun, and in the, uh, the the reflections of the broken windows behind him, we can see the zombies that are coming at him. Uh, yeah, and there's so- store mannequins that are kind of like floating around too, and you can almost mistake, you know, there's a store mannequin, then there's another store mannequin, then there's a reflection of a zombie, and the bodies are kind of similarly positioned and stuff. Right, and then there's that mannequin arm with the broken glass there on the sidewalk too. Uh, Walking Dead, the, uh, Robert Kirkman wrote, created, and lettered the book. Uh, Tony Moore penciled, inked, and did the gray tones for the book. Hey, can I interrupt real quick? Look at the look at the date. No, you may not. Okay, look at so the, page one. Look at look at the date on that cover. You know where it says you see TM the initials, and then below it is O three. Can you believe it's been that long ago that this book started? What's really blowing my mind is how much this first issue is going for on eBay. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but I mean, because it was such a small print run, it was, you know, image and no one expected it to take off the way it did. I mean, they've been going, I think they said on io9 a few weeks ago that an issue number one went for something like $1,700. Oh my gosh. And they, didn't they do a, um, not that it's worth anything, but didn't they do a director's cut of number one like some years after? Well, they did a, um, like a dollar version of it. They reprinted it and threw it out as a dollar kind of a yeah i have that one yeah i do too i don't have obviously don't have the first issue and actually that's the only single issue i own is that dollar reprint of issue number one they did a uh new york comic-con this year they did a new york comic-con uh walking dead number one that was issue 75 right i got the number one well they had this year they had it might have been sdcc san diego comic-con but they had a I think it was exclusive to them, copy of issue 75 that had a color sequence involving aliens. It was like a dream sequence. I don't think that was exclusive because I saw that on the rack at the store. Then they had an exclusive cover then or something. There, there was an exclusive version. I thought that part of the story was exclusive too, but I guess not. They didn't put that in the trade then. I'll have to find that elsewhere. Kind of sucks. Anyway. Okay. Uh, we start issue one with uh, Shane and Rick. Uh, being pinned down by gunfire by an escaped convict from the, uh, the Grant County Jail. Uh, they, they just opened a prison in there in Grant County, and uh, as uh, Rick tells Shane, he didn't think they'd be getting their runoff. Um, the sequence is in the, uh, the show, but it's much expanded and it's, it's stretched out to, to give Rick and Shane a little more character development. Um, we see Rick get shot, and uh, Shane call out to him. And then we are our next uh, our next panel is a, a full splash page of Rick in a hospital bed, uh, gasping awake, uh, short of breath. And, it's interesting uh, he gets shot in the opposite shoulder in the book than he does in the in the show. I was going to say I like the way they showed his um, shooting here. It's not as I mean, there's a lot of gore in this book. Don't don't get me wrong, but this like it just it just shows the chunk taken out of him. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of blood or uh, or, or gore. It just shows where the wound is. Right. So this basically, it's pretty much the same scene as the opening of the show. But like you said, Jim, they they don't do the whole um, Shane and Rick sharing French fries and talking about their troubles before it happens. 
Right, there's a little more establishing of uh, the relationship between Shane and Rick before the uh, the bullets start to fly than there is in the comic. In the comic, we get one page, and then uh, we're jumped right into it. What I'm really struck on page two on is the splash page, the use of the gray tones here. Now, The Walking Dead, for those who haven't read it, is a black and white book, but there is really good use of, uh, of, of gray tones, and especially in this page, we see the shadows. Uh, of the railing as the sun comes into the hospital room, uh, you know, reflected on the bed and on the floor. And it just, it's really, uh, really well, well, well thought out as far as the lighting in the room and the, the, you know, the quote unquote POV of the, um, you know, of the reader. So I just think it's really, uh, really kind of a genius thing they do through the whole book using those gray tones. I know we've mentioned it before in the previous times, you know, you guys have gone over these issues and like LOD shows and stuff, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that just as this book was being published, the movie 28 Days Later was had come out and basically started in this very same manner. And Kirkman has gone on record as been saying it's just a total coincidence. This is zeitgeist, as they say. Well, I mean, if you may, if you think about it, when the zombie apocalypse goes down, probably the safest place you could be would be in a sealed hospital room. We see Rick wake up and... Uh, try to find a nurse he slips and falls out of bed because his uh, legs have atrophied so badly for being in bed as long as he has and we uh, we go to a nine panel uh, layout on the page which is going to be for the majority of the book what we stay with a very classic nine nine panel layout rick uh, finds his clothes in a drawer nearby gets himself dressed and tries to find someone out in the hospital he is it's kind of creepy there's no one in the hospital anywhere he goes and finally he um the elevator opens and a corpse falls out, much to Rick's chagrin. Now he's yelling for help rather than just trying to find someone. Rick finds the corpse falling, you know, falls out of the elevator pretty much right in his lap almost, and he has no no idea what's going on, what happened, what the hell. And then he opens the door to the uh, the cafeteria, or oh no, I'm sorry, the waiting room, and uh, we see our first look at the zombies. Again, another really great splash page. Good use of perspective. Cute, uh, cool use of the grayscale, and um, the the blood almost looks like airbrushed on the 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 lead zombie here. Do you know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm at? Um, I'm trying to get at? It looks yeah, it totally. doesn't look like dripping blood like you normally see in a comic. It looks like real blood, the way it would pool and soak into fabric, which I really give Tony Moore a lot of credit for to you know to go that route instead of more traditional depiction. Now I'm totally having like a I don't know, a deja vu or, or something. That boarded up door it, that, you know, he's he's going to the cafeteria door and it's got the board in between the handles so it can't be opened. Is that the don't oh, open, open dead inside? inside door? Yeah, you know, when when that showed up on the, on the TV show, all of us said <clears throat> when we saw the don't open dead inside, we all said, man, that is straight out of the comic. And here we are looking at issue one and that that is not written anywhere so i'm wondering if maybe it shows up later in the comic book somewhere at an in another location and that's why we remembered it and thought it felt familiar but as you know as you were pointing out it's not here in this first issue you know i'm wondering I, know, I think i know where it happens in the comic uh, chronology but i really don't want to say without yeah. spoiling they put out that motion comic like right before the show started i wonder if they put that in there It'd be interesting if they they changed it a little bit to set to put that scene in there. Hmm, I have to check yeah, it I out, mean they've but. been using that art for the show months before the show came out, 
and it almost like brainwashed me. I've been, I've been saying it's. I mean, this was where I thought it was from. Yeah, um, we all did. We all saw that and went, man. If that isn't right from the, from the, uh, you know, the comic, I don't know what is. And sure enough, it's not here. I think. I think I know where you think it shows up, Jim, and and uh, I I, th- I think uh, I think you're you're on track there. Well, thanks. I'm glad we're on the same wave. Too bad we can't really talk about it. Though. <laughs> um, again, this really great splash page of the zombies and the corpses uh, in the cafeteria. Rick is is dumbfounded, just kind of shocked, uh, unable to say anything, and he falls on his back in uh, Frodo Baggins mode, kind of scrambling on his back as the zombie advances toward him. Uh, yelling him to get away from him. He's trying to talk to the zombie. Oh, can't you understand? The zombie pushes him through a door, and they fall down the stairs, and the zombie snaps his neck. Uh, so snaps his own, or the zombie's neck is snapped as they fall down the stairs. And uh, Rick falls right on top of the, <laughs> the zombie with a snap neck. Uh, Rick still doesn't know what's going on. Uh, he uses his belt to close the door again and goes out to his truck. Did we ever see the name of the hospital on the show? I think we did, but I can't remember what it was. You know what? I just noticed on that page where Rick takes his belt off and belts the doors shut. If you look at the top right, that panel at the top right, it, it appears that other zombies are starting to follow him. We see their legs as they're walking down the stairs. I never noticed that before. Yeah, and even uh, the shot of the zombie breaking his neck. Uh, I'm guessing those are maggots that are like flying out of him. Right. I never noticed that before. That's a kind of gruesome little detail that he added in well it makes sense they eat dead flesh oh totally makes sense i just never uh tony moore's stuff is so detailed in certain areas and it's not that he mails it in on other panels but he just takes certain uh liberties on certain pieces of of the work that uh, you can miss stuff real easily absolutely uh, we see Rick come out to his truck and then realize that it's locked and he doesn't have the keys. So he leaves the parking garage and walks away from the Harrison Memorial Hospital. As he's walking, if he comes across more corpses, uh, he comes onto the rise of a hill where he sees a bicycle and then gasps in horror at a um, corpse that is so um, destroyed and emaciated, but yet still the zombie is still alive and that it can't move on its own. Uh, the leg, the both of the legs. Well, it looks like the one leg is broken clean off, and the zombie is pretty much nothing but skin or skeleton left, really, and then a head, making a, a gluck glank noise. You know, not even be able to uh, to scream or groan like some of the other zombies. And this is the our blonde, bicycle girl. Oh, yeah, the blonde hair looks like fire. Looks kind of like a ghost rider. We talked about this when we talked about the first episode, but here, Rick is so upset about what he sees that he starts crying. He's got his hand over his mouth, but he can't believe what's going on and he's crying and it obviously affects him. You know, in the show he was just scared uh and and ran off, but you know, I'm looking at the what we've affectionately called the bicycle girl, looking at her in this on this page and I I wonder why they chose in the show to uh not give her any legs. You know, on this page we see her legs. Like Jim said, one of them's you know, it's broken from the knee down. But uh, on the show, you know, she was pulling herself along with just her hands. She didn't even I have any legs. I think she had down to the ankle on one leg. I think the foot was gone. But one leg was broke off at the knee and the other was at the ankle. Okay. All right. I think, but. 
I think the the pulling yourself by your hands with no legs effect just is pretty powerful and kind of gives you the idea of like mindless no no thought process at all just kind of like dragging itself towards its next meal um you know i think that really worked well in the tv show yeah i agree i think i think it might have even had a little more impact than this just because she was a little more recognizable as you know as a little girl than than this uh, corpse that we see here which is pretty much just a skeleton but they do definitely take more time with Rick's reaction in the book. I mean, he's crying on this page. He gets on the bike, and then he kind of, like, drops back down to his knees as he's trying to pull away. And he, you know, then recovers and gets the bike up again, and he's st- still crying. I mean, we could see. Um, right, we can see how much it hits him. Uh, you know, he cries seeing the girl, and then, like, he goes down the road with the bike, like you say, and just drops to his knees. And this is a really... Uh, this is kind of illustrating what I was saying before about the the story in the book having a little more, you know, room for character development, a little more room for the story to breathe. We see this nine panel sequence here with just you know the only words in it are Rick saying "Oh God," and we see how much this is affecting him and how much you know what he's seeing is really is really um, you know getting to him already. Rick pedals down the road on his newly found ten speed a little while, and then he finds a uh, an open a house with an open door, goes inside. This is his house, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. If It shows us on the next page. Yeah, he walks by a picture of himself and Lori and, and Carl. Uh, he looks for uh, signs of life around his home and uh, finally says to himself, nothing, uh, after searching the whole domicile. And in the backyard, as he's looking around, a shovel comes out of nowhere and clocks him in the back of the head. I really like this uh, sound effect, too, on this next page. This giant clang. You know, if I had thought ahead, I would have had that sound effect queued up. <laughs> I bet I can get it queued up real quick. Yeah, it's amazing how much Morgan, as drawn by Tony Moore, really does look like Lenny James. I mean, right right down to like his hairline is almost identical. Yeah, yeah. I haven't read this issue in a while, but you're right. Although I guess Lenny James' hair is shorter because he's balding. But um, if he did have hair... <laughs> A longer hair would have the same hairline. We see a giant clang, and then, uh, Dad, son, what did you do? He was going to try to eat his dad. No, son, this man is alive. <laughs> oh, um, the interesting thing I, I, I find is that the character is named Dwayne Jones um, from uh, the original Night of the Living Dead by George Romero. That was the name of the uh, the actor that played the lead in the uh, in the movie. Was his name Bill or Ben? It's a B name, right? Oh, no, I'm gonna have to look it up. Damn it. I think I think it's Ben. That sounds right. We see Rick waking up again and uh, apologizing for us. Uh, that's my boy. He hit you over the head with a shovel. Sorry about that. Uh, he thought you. He says he th- says you thought you were one of those things. And then uh, Rick has a lot of questions. He doesn't know what's going on. Of course, what how ha- you know how it all happened? What went wrong? And uh, he's kind of incredulous that Rick doesn't know anything about what's going on. So he tells him uh, his story about how he was shot, he was in the hospital, he was attacked. And and then he says, nobody knows what causes it. And then um, he explains to him that the media has been shut down for weeks, they haven't heard much of anything. A A good blow to the head is what takes out zombies, which, you know, if anybody who reads a good zombie story knows that. Before they stopped broadcasting, they told us to relocate to biggest cities, he tells them. They could protect us all there. So pretty similar 
to the scene with them uh, in the show. Certainly, we we don't get the entire storyline of um, the mother showing up as a zombie on the porch. So that was some added stuff for the television show. But otherwise, I mean, same basic idea. They knock Rick out. They bring him in. You know, they're good people. And uh, Rick's about to bring them to the police station, which we're going to get to now. Something they al- else they added for the show was the whole Rick being injured and, and Morgan being cautious about that. You know, well, how'd you get injured? You know, at this point in the book, he's wearing a T-shirt. You know, his injuries really aren't showing. And so we don't see any of that. But Yeah, that's a good point. Well, since they decided that they want to go to Atlanta, Rick says he's going to need a car if he's going to Atlanta and asks Morgan if he wants to go shopping. So they stop by the police department. They kind of talk about the ethics of uh, you know borrowing things, quote unquote, during the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Morgan's a little afraid that he's going to get arrested for appropriating Rick's house, but uh, Rick you know puts his mind at ease, tells him, not, tells him not to worry about it. It's an emergency situation. They kind of transferred that bit of the conversation in the show to uh, the mall and the 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 deal with the necklace and Andrea. You know the whole concept about how the rules have changed. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Which is interesting considering how much they expanded the character of Morgan that they would take something away from him and give it to someone else. This is one of my favorite lines in the issue, though, here where Rick is uh, thanking Morgan for all he did. To which Morgan replies, it's great to talk to someone who's not talking about cartoons or passing gas. Because it's always <laughs> something to talk about. <laughs> That's a good thing he didn't get held up with one of us then. Especially you, Jordan. Exactly. Anyway, it gives I Rick, love my gives gas. Gives Rick a little uh, chuckle, and then Rick kind of feels guilty about laughing after everything that's going on. Then Morgan explains to him, hey, there's some crazy stuff out there. You just can't let it get to you, or you will go crazy as well, which is a little bit of foreshadowing for the future. They uh, open up the weapons locker and uh, uh, grab what they need there. Some, uh, a lot of, Rick grabs a lot of rounds and a ride shotgun and a cowboy hat. Seems there's enough shells in there for both of them. You know, it's pretty awesome how how uh, much they got the hat in the show to look like the hat in the comic. And I think John said that in an earlier episode, but seeing it on the page here makes me realize just it's near virtually identical. They go around back of the uh, the sheriff's office, and there's a couple of squad cars there. He gives Morgan one of the squad cars, uh, and then when everything gets, he tells him when everything gets back to normal, he'll have to give it back. So try not to bang it up or to put too many miles on it. Um, and as they're uh, they're about to part ways, uh, they see a zombie coming at them through the chain link fence. Rick immediately pulls a gun to draw a bead on. Immediately pulls a gun to draw a bead on him. Morgan stops him. He tells him to leave the zombie be because they're they're safe behind the barbed wire. They might as well save the bullet for when they really need it. That's Rick a quite Rick. a quite a departure from the from the show too. You know, because Morgan doesn't say that, and Rick ends up popping the, his his old deputy in the head yeah and it's the first um it's the first idea of consequences in the book which we talk about so much you know about making too much noise wasting your ammunition you know it's not like a john woo film you know they're counting bullets here mm-hmm. and uh you know and, and morgan's been out surviving in this and he knows and rick's just kind of like thinking that this is kind of a phase and he's he, you know he's talking about when things get all better you're going to return the car and morgan kind of has been out there and knows the deal you know 
Yeah, Rick is still kind of uh, living in the world that was before. I don't think he's all the way transitioned to the fact that, you know, the life that he led is pretty much over. Um, we uh, Morgan says he'll keep an eye on Rick's house while he's gone. Rick te tears ass out of town, but on the way, he stops at the bicycle girl where she was laying before. And it's interesting to note the entire book is uh, framed in white, except for these two pages. This last two pages are framed in black. They also go against the layout that we've seen in, there, in that they're a four-panel and not a nine-panel grid. We see Rick's shadow standing over the, the bicycle girl. He pulls out his gun, shoots her in the head, gets back into the squad car, and drives off. Right, and, and he's crying again, which, you know, we're harping on it now, but that was a big point that we had made um, in the episode that they kind of sped through this part and didn't really give Rick's reaction to the whole thing. But they also added the part of, I'm sorry, this happened to you. Yes. Plus, I think the girl looked a little more human, a little more, you know, not as emaciated or skeletal as this uh, zombie does here. And I think it really just hits home that, that you know, that uh, how much it affects him even more that he had to, like, shoot a girl that look, actually looked like a little girl and not like a skeleton like this one does. And that's issue one of The Walking Dead. And how close... Where does episode one end? One ends with uh, with the pullout from the tank. Yeah, Rick's in the tank. We had just heard Glenn's voice. Oh, okay, right, right. And, that, and that's not even in the book. So you could, you could almost make an argument that episode one... Is it follows issue one pretty closely, at least in timeline perspective. Anyway, yeah, yeah. it's about one and a half issues because I'm looking at issue two right now, and I'm seeing the the beginning stuff with Glenn and everything. So, and, and granted, that's where a lot of departures happen. But yeah, so it's about an issue and a half, maybe issue and a third. Very cool. Brings back uh, good memories reading the early issues of The Walking Dead, and uh, not a lot of dialogue. I noticed. I don't think I ever noticed it before, but when I was reading through this one time, this is probably, I don't know, the fifth or sixth time I've read issue one. There's just not a lot of, you know, it's, it's a lot of pictures, but they really uh, do an amazing job of telling the story. Well, even well in fairness, most of the story is Rick by himself. So Yeah. Yeah, and in the first episode you know, of the show, there was a lot of dialogue-less scenes as well. You know, there's certainly a lot added with you know Rick and Shane at the beginning and the expansion of the scene with Dwayne, but uh, Dwayne uh, Morgan and Dwayne. But you know, there certainly was a lot of just Rick by himself walking around or or um, whatever. All right, guys. So this is pretty much the plan, folks. We're going to uh, come back in a couple of weeks. We, we definitely in January. We'll be back one more time. We'll. Talk a little TV show stuff, play our voicemails and emails. To, uh, we'll have a contest winner at that point. And then we'll get into the next issue with The Walking Dead. And depending on time, we may do two issues or we may just continue to do one. You know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But we hope you enjoy following along the book as well until uh, we get our DVD sets out. Hey, I just remembered something. And please refresh my memory if we mentioned this in our last episode. But since we recorded, didn't we hear a little rumor that possibly the show might start in July instead of October. 
Yeah, Brian Cranston, the lead and three-time Best Actor uh, Emmy Award winner for Breaking Bad, which is going to start earlier on in the summer, I believe July or maybe June, but I can't remember off the top of my head. He says that there's a rumor he heard that it's possible The Walking Dead will premiere at the same time Breaking Bad Season 4 does. Uh, so they would they would play right alongside of each other, which that would be incredible because Breaking Bad is one of my favorite shows. Uh, so that would be a nice Sunday night pairing. But there's been nothing more since then. There hasn't been any denial. There hasn't been any um, concurrence. Right now, it's just him saying he heard a rumor. But we'll see. I know Irony Singleton told us in the interview that they weren't even going to start coming back together to film until April. So that would be a really tight production schedule if that were true. Or they could move things up. I mean, you never know. They could start filming before that. I'm going to go with that because I'd rather be you know, happy for the next four months instead of mad for the next eight months you'll probably find something else to make you mad i know like you or jordan (laughs) yeah have you heard my spider-man turn off the dark review yet i'm sure that'll get your blood boiling oh i have no desire to see that (laughs) jordan would you like to do the honors sure so until next episode you can leave us a voicemail at 516-468-7912 Send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. You're going to want to check out Half Hour Wasted on Mondays and Legion of Dudes on Thursdays on the HHWLOD feed, which you can find at hhwlod.com. Don't forget to check out our Facebook groups for Walking Dead TV, LOD, and HHW. You can send us a Twitter message at at WDTVpodcast. And, of course, you can find all of our stuff at walkingdeadtv.com. Remember to so, check that Twitter on Friday the 7th for your chance to win a Walking Dead hardcover. That's right. And remember, until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, there's really one place to go other than your local comic shop or DCBS if you want to check out The Walking Dead every other week, and that's The Walking Dead TV Podcast. Good night. Good night.